بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فقد قال الله تعالى في القرآن المجيد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وعبد الله ولا تشركوا به شيئا وبالوالدين إحسانا وبذ القربى واليتامى والمساكين والجار ذي القربى والجار الجنب والصاحب بالجم وبن السبيل وما ملكت أيمانكم إن الله لا يحب من كان مختالا فخورا وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ما زال جبريل يوصيني بالجار حتى ظننت أنه سيورثه أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام Respected brothers, sisters in Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a religion wherein not only the rights of Allah are emphasized, but even the rights of people and ibad have been emphasized. When we look at our religion, then there is a certain status given to each individual. First of all, in our religion, the importance goes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our creator, our Lord, our Khaliq. And his orders and his commands surpass everyone else's wishes, everyone else's command. So much so that if anyone else wishes something which is contradictory, or which is contrary to Allah's wish, then that person's hukum, that person's wish should be made secondary. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's law and his ahkam comes always first. After the being of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes the being of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, our prophet and the last prophet of Islam. These are the two beings first of all in Islam, that ita'ah, obedience to Allah, and ita'ah to his Rasul. If anyone else's commands, anyone else's wishes, happens to be against either of the two, then that person's command and his wishes and his desire become secondary and the wish and the command of Allah and his Rasul become a primary. So much so that the ulama write, the one who chooses to compromise with the hukum of Allah because he wants to please makhluq, then he will be affected in this world, or if not in this world, then in the hereafter definitely. لا طاعة في مخلوق في معصية الخالق. There is no obedience to people when it when it in you know entails the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa taala. Similarly, when it comes to the the being of Allah's Rasul, if Allah's Rasul's teaching is of a certain nature, and someone else tells you to do something which is opposite to that, and that person practices that, then he will see no barakah in his life. And if not in this world, in the hereafter, he will be deprived from the shafa'ah and the intercession of Allah's Rasul. The Quran says, Al-Akhillā'u yawma idhin ba'duhum li ba'din aduwun illa al-muttaqeen. That on the day of Qiyamah, people and friends, close friends will become enemies. One of the reasons being because they compromise the hukum of Allah and His Rasul to please people. So first of all, you have the, you know, the status of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then you have the status of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. After that comes parents. Worship Allah, do not commit shirk, and be kind to your parents. 
be kind to your parents. One Sahabi came, radiallahu anhu, and he said, Ya Rasulullah, man ahaqqun nasi bi suhbati. They told Nabi of Allah, who is most deserving of my respect, of my service, and of my khidmah? Allah's Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ummuk, thumma ummuk, thumma ummuk, thumma abuk. That first it's your mother, then again your mother, then again your mother, and then your father. So, wabil walidayni ihsana. Showing kindness to parents. So you have Allah, then you have Allah's Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then you have the parents. In Surah Al-Luqman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَفِصَالُهُ فِي عَامَيْنِ أَنِشْكُرُ لِي وَلِوَالِدَيْكِ إِلَيَّ الْمَصِيرِ That your mother, you know, she went through so much pain because of you, nursing and looking after you for two years. So be grateful to me and be grateful to your parents. Ultimately, you will return to me. So these are the first, you know, the maratib, the levels. You have Allah, then you have his Rasul, then you have parents. Now Islam is a wholesome religion which gives everyone's level according to what they deserve. It gives everyone's level to according to what they deserve. And this can only be understood and perceived not by the human mind, but rather divinely. Only from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can a person be able to distinguish that who should we treat and how should we treat them. Now this is... You know, one of the weaknesses of the Western civilization wherein they cannot distinguish and they cannot give levels that who deserves what kind of respect and what level of, you know, importance. I mean, Islam goes on to the, to, to the level of even uh, stressing on the import, importance of treating animals in a good manner. Treating animals in the good manner. The Sahaba radiallahu anhum asked that, Ya Rasulullah, do we have any reward in feeding or in taking care of the animals? Allah's Rasul said, That in every living being you take care of, whether it's a human or an animal, you will get reward. We know the famous hadith, the woman who, you know, she tied the cat, she tied the cat, فَرَبَطَتْهَا she tied the cat, she didn't give it any food, nor, she did, nor you know, did she allow it to eat openly by, by itself. Allah's Rasul said she became deserving of Jahannam. She became deserving of Jahannam. And on the complete opposite, an immoral woman, an immoral woman who would sell her body, but then because she, just because she gave water, she gave, she gave water to a dog, Allah's Rasul said that she has entered Jannah. So social etiquettes. Social etiquettes is a very important topic. And it really ties in with what we are about to speak about, about the hukuk and the rights of neighbors. I mean, you look at the works our ulama have done. They have independent books. Independent books stressing on the teachings and on the adab, on the etiquettes of people you know, uh, mother's rights, parents' rights, or children's rights, or brother's rights, sister's rights. It just goes on and on. Imam Bukhari has authored the book Al-Adab Al-Mufrat, 800 pages. A book that is of 800 pages and commonly not known. We generally know the Sahih Al-Bukhari, you know, the, the, uh, the Sahih and the, uh, the authentic book he has compiled. But then this is also another of his book, which is perhaps not of the caliber of the first, but it's, it is still there, Al-Adab Al-Mufrat etiquettes of an individual that how should one go about how should one treat other people 
Mawatanu has written in Udu Adabul Mu'ashara. Etiquettes, you know, social etiquettes. You have so many of these books, Imam Ghazali, Adabul Ikhtilaf, social etiquettes. I mean, the books, the list of them can go on and on. But when we study them, what do we learn? We learn so much adab of, you know, so socialization, ijtima' of how do we interact with people? What rights do people have that no other religion can offer? No other religion can offer. Just to give a few examples, just to give a few examples, Allah's Rasul, for example, Allah's Rasul وسلم, said with regards to husband, with regards to his husbands, he said, خيركم 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 that the best amongst you, O man, is the one who treats his wife in the best manner. خيركم خيركم the best amongst you, O man, is the one who treats his wife in the best manner. And I am the best amongst you in treating their, his wives. Allah's Rasul is saying that I have treated my wife the best. None of you can match me. As when you study his life, you study Sirah, then you see how he dealt with the Ummahatul Mu'mineen. And it doesn't only mean that you give them, you know, things that are related to the world, money or financial assistance. It's not only about that, that's there. But the secondary, I mean, Aisha radiallahu anha would say, that many a times Allah's Rasul would pray salah and when he would do sujood, the, the room was so small. The room and the apartment was so small that I had to contract my legs so that he could do sajda on the floor. And then when he would get up in qiyam, then I would spread my legs again. As in the same time, he's saying, li I have treated my wife the best which none of you can match. So that goes as far as husband is concerned. Then he said, with regards to women, with regards to wives, he said, Ayyuma imra'atin matat wa anha radin illa dakhal al-jannah. That whichever woman dies in the condition that her husband is pleased with her, she enters Jannah. Whichever woman dies and in this condition, in the condition that her husband is pleased with her, then she enters Jannah. He said with regards to parents, that ihsana, be kind to your parents. He said with regards to sisters, that man la yakunu li ahadin thalathu banat, aw thalathu akhawat, aw ukhtan, aw ibnatan, that whichever individual has three daughters or perhaps three sisters, then he says, no, even two daughters or two sisters. Two sisters or two daughters. He fears Allah with their regards. He treats them in a good manner. But that he will enter Jannah. He said with regards, to the, with regards to the rights of children, with regards to the rights of children, one person, one, one child came, a teenager, and he complained to Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu about his father. He said, my father is not treating me the way. He's not treating me in a good way. In Islam, is there only about the rights of parents? What about my rights? Oh, oh Amirul Mu'mineen. Oh, Amirul Mu'mineen, we only emphasize about the rights of parents, which is rightfully there, and it should be emphasized. But what about me as a child, as a teenager, what rights do I, ha do I have on my parents? Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu said, حَقُّهُ أَنْ يَسْتَنْجِبَ أُمَّهُ وَيُحْسِنَ أَدَبَهُ وَيُعَلِّمَهُ الْكِتَابُ He said three things. Three things. As a child, you have this right on your father that he selects a good mother for you. 
He selects a righteous woman for you. He gives you a good name. الكتاب, and he teaches him Quran. He said, if your father fulfills these three rights, he gives you a good woman of social you know, standard, meaning she, she, she is religious, she is upright. He gives you a good name and he teaches you the Quran, then there is no other right of you on your father. Then he went, to, he went on to say, that O Amir al-Mu'mineen, my father married a woman who has no adab. So much so that people taunt me about the lack of etiquettes in my mother. And then he said that my name is such, he said the Arabic name, and it means an insect. He said my name means an insect. And then he said that he has not taught me anything of the Quran. Social ed, he has not taught me anything of the Quran. He then called the father. He said, you don't deserve to be a parent. You don't deserve to be a father. You have not taught him the Quran. You have not given him a good name, nor have you married a woman who can do his tarbiyah. But now you analyze that because like how I said, our theme is social etiquette and tying it up with neighbors. What does Islam have to say? Because we hear about the parents so much and that's on its place. But what about the children? Because to an extent, at one, you know, at one time, I would only blame the children that you know, they should be, become more obedient. But now my opinion has changed. Now I see majority or as, you know, a huge chunk of the fault is because of the lack of parents' tarbiyah. Lack of parents' tarbiyah. I mean, how can you imagine to raise a child Islamically when the mother is outside and the father is outside and they are given into the hands of other strange people and then they do their tarbiyah? What can you expect from a generation? How do you expect, you know, upright people, upright Muslimin, whose tarbiyah was not done by their father, nor was it done by their mother, but many a time it was done by a kafir nanny. Oh young man, your right upon your father is that he selects a good spouse, righteous spouse for, you know, a, a mother for you. And he gives you a good name and he teaches you Quran. Now you apply the standards of Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu today in our time and see how much of parents are really qualified. What did he tell the father? You're not qualified to be a father. He said, you're not qualified to be a father. Go learn how to parent. You applied it today. So these are social etiquettes. With regards to parents, be kind to them. With regards to children, teach them the Quran, give them a good name. With regards to your sisters and daughters, you know, be kind to them. With regards to women, if your husband is pleased and you die, then you enter Jannah. I mean, so much can be said, لَقَدَ وَضَعَ islam The ulama write, لَقَدَ وَضَعَ islam نِظَامًا فَرِيدًا لِلْإِجْتِمَاعِ لُحْمَتُهُ التَّرَاحُمْ وَالتَّعَاطُمْ وَمَبَنَاهُ عَلَى الْبِرِّ وَالتَّقْوَى وَالتَّنَاهِ عَلَى الْإِثْمِ وَالْعُدْوَانِ That Islam has given us such a beautiful system of socialization. It is based on compassion and mercy, based on assistance and help, and preventing one another from sin. Preventing, I mean, what did the Quran say? إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ إِخْوَى إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ إِخْوَى فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَ أَخْوَيْكُمْ Believers are but brothers. They are but brothers. The hadith says, Al-mu'minu lil-mu'minika al-bunyan. Yashuddu ba'duhu ba'da. 
a believer to another believer is like a building. Like just like one brick empowers and it keeps the other, other bricks stable, that is how a believer is to the another believer. Our entire theme of social etiquette of neighbors is based on these two, two things. That you are brother to one another. You are a brick to one another. إِنَّ لِلْجَارُ لَقَدْ دَلَّتِ الشَّرِيعَةُ النُّسُوسُ الشَّرَعِيَّةُ لَقَدْ دَلَّتِ النُّسُوسُ الشَّرَعِيَّةُ أَنَّ الْجَارُ عَلَى ثَلَاثَةِ أَقْصَامِ The ulama write that there are three types, three types of neighbors. الأول من له حق واحد وهو الجار الكافر The first type of neighbor is the one who has only one right upon you. He has only one right upon you. You owe him one right. He is the non-Muslim neighbor. You have to give him the rights of a neighbor. You have to give him the rights of a neighbor. He also has a right because the word jar, which means neighbor in the Quran, that be kind to your neighbor, whether he is next to you, he is far from you. Whether he is a Muslim, whether he is a non-Muslim, it tells everyone. The word jar or the word neighbor entails and it counts Muslim, non-Muslim, enemy, you know, friend. So this is the first type of neighbor Islam has said. That number one is the one who is a non-Muslim. He's a non-Muslim and you look at our teachings, what Allah's Rasul taught us. I mean, it's just so amazing. The hadith of Tirmidhi. The hadith of Tirmidhi, Rasulullah had a young boy, a Jewish boy, who would do his khidmah, who would do his khidmah and serve him. And he became sick for a few days. He became sick for a few days. Allah's Rasul went to visit him. And he said, oh young boy, you have served me so much. It is my utmost desire that you recite the kalimah. It is my utmost desire that you recite the kalima. The father is standing there, Jewish man. Now this is his neighbor. This is his neighbor. Allah's Rasul's neighbor. Of course, when we say neighbor, I will later on explain what are the limits and the parameters of a neighbor. To what, you know, what limit, how many streets, how many houses does it have to be? But Allah, the hadith, the word that is used is لِجَارِهِ yahudi His Jewish neighbor. His Jewish neighbor. And he goes to him. And he presents to him the shahadatain that, oh young man, oh Jewish boy, proclaim the shahada and I will be your assistant on the day of Qiyamah. The father looks at him and he knows the truth. He knows the truth and he says, Ati'a Abul Qasim. Ati'a Abul Qasim. Oh my son, I love you. I suggest that you listen to Abul Qasim. Listen to Abul Qasim, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He proclaimed the shahada and then he, you know, he you know, proclaimed the shahada and there and there he passed away. Rasulullah came out and then he said, Alhamdulillah, all praise belongs to Allah who has freed a who has freed a soul because of my help from Jahannam. Jarihil Yahudi. His non-Muslim neighbor. What is his haqq? That he presented Islam to him. Whether he listens or not. That is upon, that's not upon you, that's not upon me. But to present to him Islam. You see what is written about Abdullah bin Mubarak. Abdullah bin Mubarak who was a student of Imam Abu Hanifa. 
In his biography, it is written, كَانَ لِإِبْنِ الْمُبَارَكِ جَارٌ يَهُودِيٌّ وَكَانَ يُؤْذِيهِ That Abdullah bin Mubarak had a Jew, he also had a Jewish neighbor, and who would at all times, you know, bring out dirty things, garbage, and put it in, the fr in, put it in front of Abdullah bin Mubarak's door. He'd always bring this garbage and put it, put it in his door. وَكَانَ إِبْنُ الْمُبَارَكِ يَسْكُتْ وَيَضُمُّهَا وَيَقُولُ لِأَهْلِ لَا تُخْبِرُوا الْيَهُودِيَّةِ Ibn al-Mubarak would just gather them, he would go and then he would just trash them himself, he would be quiet, he would tell his wife that don't worry about it, leave it, don't worry, don't complain. فَبَعْدَ فَتْرَ أَتَتُّ الْجَارِ فَبَعْدَ فَتْرَ أَتَتُّ الْجَارِ إِلَى الْيَهُودِيَّ After some time, some businessmen came to this Yahudi, Yahudi neighbor, just Jewish neighbor, and they said that we want to buy your house. We want to buy your house. He said, Qimatu bayti al-faydinar. Qimatu bayti al-faydinar. That the price of my house is 2,000 dinar, which was double the price. Now if it's 200,000, it's just 400,000. He's saying, originally the price was 1,000. He said, but you have to pay me, you have to pay me 2,000. They asked, why is it so high? Why is it double the price? He said, The first thousand you're going to pay is because of the house. And the second thousand you're going to pay is because you will have the fortune of being the neighbor of Abdullah bin Mubarak. He said, the second half you're paying is not for the house. It's because you'll have the fortune of being Ibn al-Mubarak's neighbor. Ibn al-Mubarak was that individual. I understand Sufyan Thawri rahimullah said, Abdullah bin Mubarak is the alim of the East and the West. He was not a small individual. He was not a small individual and he has a Jewish neighbor. He has a Jewish neighbor. Then you have the second type of of neighbor. So the first one is Jarun Lahu Hakkun Wahidun, the neighbor that has only one right upon you, and that is Al Jar al Kafir, the non Muslim neighbor. Then you have Jarun Lahu Hakkan. The second type of neighbor is the one who has two rights, dual rights upon you. Wahuwal Jar al Muslim, and it is the Muslim he is the Muslim neighbor. So he is your neighbor, and on top of that he is a Muslim. So you owe him two rights. You owe him the rights of being your neighbor and you have, you have to owe him the rights of being a Muslim. And what did Allah's Rasul wasallam, say about the rights of a Muslim upon another Muslim? He said, Haqqul Muslimi alal Muslimi khams. Haqqul Muslimi alal Muslimi khams. That a Muslim has five rights upon another Muslim. Raddus salam. When he says salam, then you say, Wa alaykum as salam. Ijabatu da'wah, if he calls you, if he invites you to his house, then you respond. You don't say no to his invitation. Then tashmeetul atis, if he sneezes and he says alhamdulillah, then you say yarhamukallah. Ittiba'ul janaiz, if he happens to pass away, if he happens to pass away, then you pray his janazah and his funeral. And lastly, Iyadatul Marid, if he happens to be sick, then you go and visit him. These are the five rights. Allah's Rasul said in this hadith that a Muslim has five rights on another Muslim. You reply to his salam, you pray his janazah, you accept his invitation, 
He say, Ya Allah, when he sneezes and you respond to his da'wah. So this individual who is a neighbor and he is a Muslim, he has dual rights upon you. Haqqul jiwar wa haqqul islam. He is a neighbor, you owe him that right. And he is a Muslim, you owe him the second right. You read about Abu Hanifa rahimahullah in his life, in his biography. وَكَانَ لِأَبِي Hanifa جَارٌ إِسْكَافٌ Abu Hanifa rahimahullah had a neighbor, a Muslim neighbor, Iskaf. You know, he, he would make shoes. That was his profession. That is how he would make a livelihood. He would, you know, tie and, you know, make shoes. So, فَيَعْمَلُ نَهَارَهُ أَجْمَعُ يَعْمَلُ نَهَارَهُ أَجْمَعُ He would work for the entire day. حَتَّى إِذَا جَنَّ اللَّيْلِ رَجَعَ إِلَى مَنْزِلِ And then when Maghrib would come, then he would return back home. وَيَشْتَرِي لَحْمًا أَوْ سَمَكَ He would buy some meat or some fish. And then that is what he would go on top of his roof and then he would eat there. Whatever he bought, he would eat there and he would also drink wine. He would also drink wine. And then when he would become intoxicated, when he would become intoxicated, then he would start to sing in a loud voice. In a loud voice, he would start to sing. And who is next to him? Abu Hanifa. At what time? Midnight, during the time of Tahajjud. Abu Hanifa wa Abu Hanifa ta yusalli wa huwa yasma'u sawta. Wa Abu Hanifa ta yusalli wa huwa yasma'u sawta. Abu Hanifa rahimullah is praying tahajjud salah and he hears his neighbor playing music. He hears his neighbor playing music. But he never forbade him at, you know, at any time. And what he would he say? Listen to his ash'ar. أَضَاعُونِي وَأَيُّ فَطَنْ أَضَاعُوا لِيَوْمٍ كَرِيهَةٍ وَصِدَادِ ثَغْرٍ That what a valuable person and an important person I am. They don't recognize my value. He's drunk. And what is he singing? I'm a very valuable and an important person to the society. People don't understand my value. أَضَاعُونِي وَأَيُّ فَطَنْ أَضَاعُوا And then some days passed. Abu Hanifa rahimahullah wa huwa la yasma'u sawta He doesn't hear his neighbor singing anymore There is no more noise And then he goes to investigate and then the people tell him akhadhahul usus akhadhahul usus that the law enforcement the police they came they imprisoned him they put him in jail Abu Hanifa was disturbed he was disturbed فَصَلَّ الْفَجْرَةِ وَرَكِبَ بَغْلَتَهِ وَاسْتَأْذَنَ عَلَى الْأَمِيرِ He prayed his Fajr Salah. He got on his donkey. And then he went to the Amir, the governor. And then he greeted the Amir, the governor. And the governor asked him, مَا حَاجَتُكْ يَا أَبَا حَنِيفَ Oh Abu Hanifa, a respectful man like you in my court, how can I help you? He said, إِنَّ لِي جَارٌ إِسْكَافْ إِنَّ لِي جَارٌ إِسْكَافْ That I have a neighbor who makes shoes. And he's, he's, you know, uh, alcohol, he drinks alcohol and he drinks wine. Can the governor be kind enough to, to release him? Can the government be kind enough? Can you be kind enough to release him? He said, for your sake, I will release him. For your sake, I will release him. 
he is then released. Abu Hanifa says, come with me, I will take you. And then this was the end of this bad habit. This was the end, the last day he ever put any wine on his table. He did tawbah and he became a student of Abu Hanifa. Jarun lahu haqqan. The second type of neighbor is the one who has two rights upon you. He is a Muslim and he is your neighbor. You owe him dual rights. And then you have Jarun lahu thalathatu huquq. Jarun lahu thalathatu huquq. A neighbor who has three rights upon you. Three rights. Wahuwal jar al Muslim al Qareeb. He is your neighbor, he is a Muslim, and he happens to be your relative. He happens to be your relative, he is your cousin, he is your, she is your aunt or he is your uncle. So the first one was Al-Jar Al-Kafir, the non-Muslim neighbor. Then you had the Muslim neighbor. Now you have the relative Muslim neighbor. He has three rights upon you. Number one, because he is your neighbor. Number two, because he is, he is a Muslim. And number three, because he is your relative. You owe him three rights. What did Allah's Rasul say? He said, the one who goes to sleep while he is saturated and his neighbor sleeps and he is hungry, he does not have complete iman. He does not have complete iman. I mean, we have relatives back home and so many of them, of them are in need. So many of them are in need. To help them is due with reward. Imam Suyuti has mentioned the hadith in Jami' al-Saghir that the one who gives sadaqah to a needy person, he gets reward. But the one who helps his needy relatives, he gets dual reward. He gets dual reward. What did that sahabi say? Ja'a rajulun. One sahabi came and he complained to Allah's Rasul. Sallallahu alayhi sallam. He said, Inna li qaraba asiluhum wa yaqta'unani. Uhsinu ilayhim wa yusi'una ilayya. Wa ahlumu anhum wa yajahaluna alayya. Oh Allah's Rasul, I have such relatives. I am kind to them. They are harsh to me. I am good to them, they are evil to me. I overlook their mistake, they always look for my faults. What should I do in such a case? What should I do in such a case? Allah's Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لَإِن كُنْتَ كَمَا قُلْتَ لَإِن كُنْتَ كَمَا قُلْتَ فَلَا يَزَالُمْ عَلَيْكَ مِنَ اللَّهِ ظَهِيرٌ If you continue doing this act, you will have an angel with you 24 hours. فَإِن كُنْتَ كَمَا قُلْتَ If it is how you are saying and how you are describing فَلَا يَزَالُ مَعَكَ مِنَ اللَّهِ ظَهِيرٌ You will have a continuous angel accompanying you 24 hours. Because they are being harsh and you are being kind. They are being rude and you are being good-mannered. So Allah's Rasul said, If you do what you are saying, you will have an angel with you all the times. You will have an angel with you all the time. In one hadith, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَنَ حَبَّ أَنْ يُبْسَطَ لَهُ فِي رِزْقِهِ وَيُنْسَأَ لَهُ فِي أَثَرِهِ فَلْيَسِ الْرَحِمَةِ The one who wants an extended life. The one who wants an extended life. And he wants barakah in his rizq. He wants barakah in his rizq. 
then tell him to tie relations with his relatives. I mean, you look at it logically, you cannot perceive and fathom it. That what relation does risk and long life have to do with being good to relatives? But Allah's Rasul is saying in the hadith of Tirmidhi, that if you want an extended life and you want barakah in your risk, then be kind and join ties with your relatives. Jarun lahu huquq. The neighbor that has three rights. He is a Muslim, he is a neighbor, and he is your relative. Then the ulama write, Haqqul jar ala thalathi maratib. That there are three levels. There are three levels of, you know, character, of manners, of behavior and akhlaq towards your neighbor. Three levels. Number one is kaful adha. Kaful adha. Number one is you're not doing anything good to him, but at least you're not causing him any harm. That's the least. What are you, what are you doing? You're not causing him any harm. This is the least and this is his right. And what type of other, what type of inconvenience and harm is there, the ulama write? At-tatabbu' awratihim, that you look for their faults. Wat-tatallu' ala maharimihim, you abuse your sight with their, you know, women folk. Waraf'i alatil lahwi wal ghina, you play loud music while you are their neighbor. These are forms. These are forms of causing harm to your neighbor. One Sahabi came to Allah's Rasul and he said, Oh, Nabi of Allah, I have a neighbor who is so ill-mannered. He does this to me. He does this to me. Allah's Rasul said, Go to your house. Whatever, everything you have in your house, your furniture, your table, go and throw it out on the road. And when people come and ask you that why is all your belongings on the road, tell them that your neighbor is causing you to do this. The people, Sahaba, they would walk and they would say that someone's belongings are on the road. And they said that, why is this here? Is it because of my neighbor? Because of my neighbor, he is causing me this. That is why the shi'ar is, مَا بِعْتُ مَا بِعْتُ دَارِي إِنَّمَا بِعْتُ جَارِي That when, you sell, when the, the poet said he had a bad, you know, mannered neighbor, he said, I didn't sell my house, I sold my neighbor. So I didn't sell my house, I didn't sell my house, I sold my neighbor. So kaful adha, the first level and the minimum level is that you don't cause any type of harm to him. Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu said once, this is the hadith of Ahmad, that Ya Rasulullah inna fulanatan tasum, tasumul nahar wa taqumul layl wa tu'zi jaraha bilisaniha. They don't be of Allah, there is a woman who fasts throughout the day, nafal fast, and who stands throughout the night, but she verbally abuses her neighbor. She verbally abuses her neighbor. Allah's Rasul said, La khayra fiha hiya finnar. The hadith of Imam Ahmad in his Musnad. She has no good in him, she is deserving of Jahannam. Lisan, tongue. Abusing someone with your tongue. And then Abu Huraira said that, Oh Nabi of Allah, there is a woman who only prays her farad and who only fasts in the month of Ramadan, but she causes no harm to her neighbor, Allah's Rasul said, he fil Jannah. She is in Jannah. Tongue is a very important aspect. Verbal abuse. So this is the first one. This is the first one, the first level and the minimal level that a person does not cause any 
verbal abuse to the neighbor. The second one is ihtimalul adha. Wattaghafal anhu. That he is causing you harm, which he shouldn't, but you overlook it. You forgive him. You overlook his mistakes and his wrongdoings. This is the second level of being kind to your neighbor. And we find this so much in the ahadith. That is why that when Rasulullah wasallam, a Jewish, you know, a, a, Jew, a Jewish man lived next to Allah's Rasul wasallam, and he always wanted to harm him. He always wanted to harm him in Medina. But of course the Sahaba radiallahu anhum were around and he couldn't do anything. So he would come when people are asleep in midnight and he would throw garbage at Allah's Rasuls in front of his door. He would throw garbage at night because he was afraid of the Sahaba. He knew that if I did this at, at daytime, then the Sahaba would see me and you know, I, I will be in trouble. So when people are asleep, he would take the garbage and all these dirty things and, and put it in front of Allah's Rasul's door. Allah's Rasul would not say anything. He would just clean it up. Then some days pass by, he doesn't notice anything. His door is clean. The porch is clean. Then he goes to visit him. He goes to the Yahudi's house and he knocks on the door. And the Yahudi permits him to come. And he asked him, Ya Muhammad, Wama Adaraka Anni Marid. Ya Muhammad, Wama Adaraka Anni Marid. They told Muhammad, How did you know that I was sick? How did you know that I was sick? He said, Aadatukalati in Qata'at. Aadatukalati in Qata'at. A very subtle way. He said, Your old habit is no longer there. Look at his akhlaq. Your old habit is no longer there. I no longer see garbage in front of my house. He didn't say you, you're, you know, the things you were doing, you're not doing it anymore. He made an ishara. He didn't even say what was it. He just said your old habit is no longer there. Akhlaqun nabawi. Akhlaqun nabawi. Presenting Allah's Rasul's akhlaq. That is why Hassan Basri said, مَا زَالَتْ تَغَافُلُ عَنْ فِعْلِ الْكِرَامِ مَا زَالَتْ تَغَافُلُ عَنْ فِعْلِ الْكِرَامِ Intentionally overlooking a person's fault is the noble trait of our pious predecessors. Intentionally overlooking. You know he did it wrong, but you pretend as if nothing happened. You pretend as if nothing happened. Tagaful means you know that he did something, but you overlook it as though you didn't even notice it. I mean, look at the adab. We're talking about social etiquettes. One woman came to Hatim, Rahimahullah, a great, a great scholar of the second century, to ask him a mas'ala. Ja'at imra'atun ila Hatim tas'alu an mas'ala. And unintentionally, she happened to release gas. And now, she started to panic. It's a, it's a moment of embarrassment. Hatima, 
rahimahullah, great imam. He said, Irfa'i sawtak fa'inni la asma. Raise your voice, I'm deaf, I can't hear you. To subside her panic. As though he didn't hear her. Because like I said, she came to ask him a masala and unintentionally some gas released. She felt embarrassed. And then he's saying, I don't know what's happening. Can you speak louder? I am deaf. So that she doesn't feel embarrassed. She doesn't feel embarrassed, although he knows. And from that day onwards, his nickname became the deaf. Whereas he heard everything. Intentionally overlooking someone's fault. You know what happened, but you pretend as though you didn't notice it. I mean, imagine a, na- a person's name become, he's more famous by the name of Al-Asam, which means the deaf Imam. He wasn't deaf, he could perfectly hear. How did he get this nickname? Because a woman came and then she did something, she felt embarrassed. So to lower her embarrassment and not to make her you know, feel shy, he said, I am deaf, I can't hear. What happened once in, in the gathering of Abdul Aziz, the son of Waliullah Dahlawi, a great scholar of Hind, a great scholar of Hind, India. One student came, one student came in the Dars of Hadith. Lesson of Hadith is taking place and he comes. And Shah Abdul Aziz Rahimullah somehow notices that this student of his is impure. He needs a ghusl, but this student was getting late. And he knew how strict his teacher was. So he left his ghusl and he sat in the Dars al-Hadith. He went to sit in the Hadith. This was ilham from Allah subhanahu wa inspiration. That how ulama, they would know something even without you telling them. Here, here he understood that this student of mine is in the condition of impurity. He says, oh people, oh students, today I'm not going to teach you hadith. Let's go to the pool and let's take a ghusl collectively. Let's all take a ghusl collectively without pinpointing that student, without embarrassing him that you have no shame in you, you come into hadith, into the dars of hadith while you were impure. How did he brush it off? How did he brush? He said, oh students, come, let's go to the, you know, to the pool, I'll teach you how to do ghusl according to the sunnah. And he got a chance to do ghusl. Intentionally overlooking someone's fault. So, Muhammad anni marid. Oh Muhammad, how do you know that I was sick? Your old habit is no longer there. The Yahudi cried profusely and he accepted Islam. I mean, we don't really need to do much more than akhlaq. Akhlaq itself is a da'wah. Good manner and good character itself is, a, is you know, da'wah. So this is the second level. That number one is you don't cause them any harm. Number two, they are doing harm to you, but you choose to overlook it and forgive it. And the third one is ikramul jar. Ikramul jar. That you be kind towards them. So you take a level above. The third level, the highest level, that you are kind towards them. 
you know, you treat them in a good manner. What did Allah's Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say? He said to, he said, يَا نِسَاءَ الْمُسْلِمَاتِ لَا تَحْكِرَنَّ جَارَةٌ لِجَارَتِهَا وَلَوْ فِرِسْنُ شَاتٍ That, O oh Muslim woman, O oh Muslim woman, if you have to give a gift to your neighbor, then give it even if it be the hoof of a sheep. Even if it be the hoof. Now that has no value. The hoof of a sheep is something that is neglected and thrown away. But Allah's Rasul is saying that even you have nothing, even if you have this much, then give it to your neighbor. This is a hadiyah, this is a sadaqah, this is my teaching, even if it be the hoof of a sheep. La tahkiranna, don't belittle it. Don't belittle it. Now this is a problem in our society where we have created artificial standards. Where if you give me something that is below my dignity, then I feel offended. And because I give you in your nikah a certain gift, and if you don't give me the same gift or something that is better than that, then we, ha- we are in bad relations. We expect people to give us gifts, whereas gift is optional. We have developed these social, our own standards. Allah's Rasul is saying, don't build the standards. Don't build these walls. Even if it be the hoof of a sheep, take it and give it and don't belittle it. These standards that we have built in our society. That is why Mu'atanwi would say, intentionally at times, don't give gifts to people you love so that it doesn't become a moral obligation. And a standard doesn't, you know, is not built. Because like how I said at times when you don't give gifts at their graduation or you don't attend it, then they feel offended. Allah's Rasul in the hadith of Tirmidhi, he once slaughtered a sheep. He asked three times, did you, give, did you give a portion of the sheep to our Jewish neighbor? Did you give a portion of our sheep to the Jewish neighbor? Did you give a portion of the sheep to our Jewish neighbor? He told Abu Dhar, Ya Abu Dhar, Ida tabakhta maraqa fa'akthir ma'aha wa ta'ahad jiranak. That Abu Dhar, when you cook and you make gravy, then put little extra water and share it with your neighbor. When you make gravy, salam, then put little more water and share it with your neighbor. Aisha radiallahu anha asked Allah's Rasul that Ya Rasulullah inna li jarain fa ila ayyihi ma uhdi the don't be of Allah I have two neighbors and I have only one gift. To which one of them should I give? Allah's Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa said ila aqrabihi ma min kibaban he whose door is closer to your house give it to him. He whose door is closer to your house give it to him. Now I would like to end my talk with a statement of the Salaf, of the pious predecessors. They would say that a man's fortune lies in few things. A man's fortune lies in few things. Al-mar'atu saliha. He has a good wife. He has a religious wife. Awladun abrar. He has good and righteous children. أَنْ يَكُونَ قُوتُهُ فِي بَلَدِي Thirdly, his rizq and his job is near his house. The masjid is near his house. And lastly, he has a good neighbor. He has a, so five things were highlighted. He has a good and a religious spouse. He has obedient children. The masjid is close to him. 
His job is near, you know, his house, and he has a good neighbor. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he grants us the tawfiq to practice on what he has said.